Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online and happy Easter. Man, we're so grateful that you're tuning in with us no matter where you're tuning in with us and no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Listen, I need you to hear me. You are loved, safe, and welcome. And I realize like, man, you could be tuning in for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you're tuning in because in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, this last year has just been taking a toll on your mental and spiritual and emotional health. And you're just looking for like a glimpse of hope, anything. Some of you, man, this year has been hard for you, but at the same time, um, you showed up to celebrate the hope that you already carry and you're a follower of Jesus and, and, and you're leaning in, just looking forward to what this weekend means for you and your faith. And others of you, you know, you might just be, you know, forced against your will to be watching this service on your couch somewhere. And, and listen, no matter how you're tuning in, no matter where you're on your spiritual journey, we're so glad you're here. And here's what I can promise you. Today's conversation, as we lean into uh, the story of Easter, is going to be both full of hope and just really practical and encouraging no matter where you're tuning in. So thanks so much for joining us. It's really an honor to have you. Now, listen, uh, I, I don't know what you know about the Easter story. I don't, I don't know where you're tuning in on your spiritual journey. But I think in light of this last year, in light of all the events of even the last couple of weeks here locally in Boulder, a lot of us start to, are asking the questions, have been asking the questions, man, is everything going to be all right? Like, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? And then maybe those questions also lead us to ask other questions like, I mean, is God there, and, and does God care, and does he know about this, and is he going to do anything about it? And I think we have lots of questions that come up in the middle of, of, of struggle and crisis and tragedy, and, and appropriately so. But for some of us, man, if you're a Jesus follower, you and I have the benefit of kind of looking back. Like when we look to the story of Easter, we look back and we have something to hang our hope on. There's, there's this definitive moment in history where we set our faith because of what happened in and through Jesus. But, but I need you to understand, you might not know this, but like for the early, or rather for the first century events that were happening, I mean, for the real live in the moment Jesus followers, when the whole Easter weekend paradigm is happening, I mean, it is, I mean, it's it's crazy, and there's nothing to look back on. And so I just want to kind of walk through you with the original, the OG scenario of the first century Jesus followers. And so as we enter into Easter weekend and the events of that weekend, when Jesus is crucified and murdered on a cross, listen, when Jesus died, that night, hope died with him. There were no Jesus followers. There were no Christians. There was no church. There was no movement. There were no Christians because there was no Christ. Everything that they had believed up to that point was totally dismantled when they saw the guy they'd been following crucified and murdered on a cross. There's these two guys, Joseph and and Nicodemus, who, who go and get Jesus' body, and they put him in a tomb, and they just go home. You know why? Because it was over. Everything that they had been following, everything that they had been believing, I mean, it was all over. I need you to hear me. No one was planning to keep the dream alive, and no one was planning to keep the movement moving. Because, man, if Jesus couldn't keep himself alive, then there was no point in keeping the Jesus movement alive. Does that make sense? I mean, everyone was disillusioned and, and, and distraught and frustrated and confused at the events of that Friday on Easter weekend. 
And, and, and for everybody there, the, the conclusion was easy. Jesus was clearly not who he claimed to be. And, and you might not know this, but uh, I, w- I want to catch you up to speed. When it comes to all the Jesus followers and the Jesus moment leading up to Easter weekend and all the events that are going to follow, Jesus and his following, it, w- it wasn't created, be- and it wasn't, wasn't just solely dependent on his teaching. Right? I mean, Jesus was a great teacher, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have this amazing following. The, the driving force of the Jesus movement was not his teaching, but it was actually the claims that he made. I mean, he would make just crazy, outrageous claims. Like, I mean, he would claim that he could forgive sin, and he would say things like he was greater than the temple and greater than Moses and greater than Abraham and greater than the prophets. I mean, he, he would make uh, attributing claims to himself that only could be attributed to God. And it was in light of those claims that he began to see this incredible following. And in fact, man, a lot of people began to follow Jesus and they stuck it out, not because of what he taught, sometimes even in spite of what he taught. For example, there's a scenario where like, you might've heard the story where Jesus like does this miracle and feeds 5,000 people. And it's amazing. And people are super excited and freaking out. It's probably closer to 15,000 people if you factor in women and children. And it's just a really, really big deal. He's providing as this miracle and he gets in a boat, goes across the sea and everybody is so into Jesus in this moment that they actually follow him to the other side and then they, they build a crowd again. And so then Jesus takes an opportunity to, to teach to the crowd that shows up again. And in that moment, he says some crazy things that, that kind of confuse people. He's like, hey, so glad you guys are here. Did you enjoy the bread and the fish? That's awesome. He probably didn't say it like that, but you know what I mean. He, he's teaching. And then in that moment, he says, hey, I'm the bread of life that's come down out of heaven. And then in that moment, like someone raises their hand and they're like, uh, no, you're not. Like, we know, we know your mom and dad. <laughs> And you're from Nazareth, right? Like, Jesus would make these claims, and they were confusing and hard and, and, and sometimes really offensive. And then because his claims continued to be challenging and, and sometimes confusing and offensive, he started to lose a little bit of that following. People started to leave when his sayings got hard. And so in the middle of that, Jesus looks at his 12 closest guys who, who have been following him and with him, uh, eventually known as the apostles. He looks at them, and he says, are, are you going to dip too? Are you, are you going to leave? And And... I need you to hear me. What I'm about to show you is Peter, one of Jesus' closest like, followers, man. He, he gives us a response. And what Peter says and what he doesn't say are both equally important. So let me show you what Peter doesn't say. Check this out in John chapter 6. Peter doesn't say this. He says, Lord, where are we going to go? No, we can't leave you. No one teaches as good as you do. Man, we, we've learned so much. Your, your content, it's so compelling. And I mean, yeah, your storytelling, come on, Jesus, your skills are without equal. You know, Peter would go on and he'd say, ah, you know, granted, today wasn't one of your better talks. I mean, that whole bread from heaven and being from now, I mean, a little confusing. You know, that other time when you told people to eat your flesh and drink your blood, that was also a little weird. You know, we're just going to kind of forget like those happen. But one or two, you know, one mediocre message, I mean, there's no reason for us to abandon you. Right now, Peter didn't say that. Why? Because it had, it had very little to do with Jesus' teaching. They didn't follow Jesus because he was a good teacher. But look at the words of Peter, what he really said in John chapter 6, verse 68. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? We're not going to leave you. You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Peter said, man, we, we believe that, that Jesus was who he said he was. 
And then on Friday, they're looking at their rabbi hanging on a cross, being murdered on a cross. And now he was dead. And they were clearly wrong. Because it was, it was impossible for God's Messiah to be murdered. I mean, I mean this, thing, this didn't add up. And so clearly Jesus was lying, and clearly he wasn't worth following. And, and, and in that moment, guys, when, when Jesus was crucified and murdered on a cross, and then his body was laid in that tomb, all of his followers, they were unfollowing. They were unbelieving. And they all expected Jesus to do exactly what dead people do. And that's stay dead. And, and, and I need you to hear me. Listen, no one was counting down backwards. No one ran to the tomb uh, on Sunday morning, stood there counting backwards, 10, 9, 8, right? No, no one was doing that because no one was expecting a resurrection. No one writes themselves into the stories, by the way, as we hear the stories of Jesus. No one writes themselves into those stories as the heroes of the story, right? They're like, oh, you know, everybody else, they lost faith. But man, I'm the one. I, I stayed and I believed, right? No, there were no followers. There were no believers. Everyone stopped believing, and so at, at the end of the, of the events, uh, in the beginning of Easter weekend, what do we have? We have a bunch of disillusioned followers. We have a corrupt religious leaders that are still in power. We have a heartless Roman government. We have no savior, no son of God, no believers, no church, and no hope. Because when Jesus died, hope died with him. But then something happened. His dead body started to breathe again. That heart started to beat again. And Jesus rose from the grave. Because you see, when we gather around Easter weekend and the celebration that we have as Jesus followers, we're not celebrating something that was written we're celebrating a singular event in history of Jesus resurrecting from the dead that launched a movement that you and I now know as the church and eventually gave us what we call the Bible today. And I need you to hear me. Listen, if you get this out of order, I don't know what your spiritual journey has been like, but if you get this out of order, this sequence of events out of order, faith becomes incredibly fragile. Listen, if you grew up around the church, you walked away from the church, you stayed away from the church, if you've been in circles where it's always like the Bible says, which really, if we're just loosely translating that, that means like grandma says, right? Like it, it doesn't carry a lot of authority. If you've been in those circles and you've walked away and you've stayed away and you've been hurt by the church and you've been disillusioned by the church and frustrated, listen, first of all, totally get it. You're not alone in that. But I'd like to just present to you that maybe what you walked away from was an inconsistent sequence of understanding and events because this is so very important in the sequence of what it means to follow Jesus, that it happened in this order. Let me help you understand. The Christian faith did not begin with Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, by the way, in case you didn't know, okay? It didn't begin with Genesis. Genesis, the Christian faith, it began with Jesus, okay? This is so important. And not the birth of Jesus, by the way, not the teachings of Jesus, not even the death of Jesus. The Christian faith was born out of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There were no believers on Friday and Saturday. There were no believers early on Sunday. There were no believers after his death. There were only followers after the resurrection. Listen, the Bible did not create Christianity. Christians did not create Christianity. In fact, it's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that created both. 
This is so very important when it comes to you evaluating what you believe, why you believe it, and, and if you stayed away, why you stayed away. If you're thinking about coming back, why would you come back? These things are so important to the hope that we find in Jesus. Now, someone always asks the question, and it's a great question that we should always ask, but, but isn't the Bible, <laughs> isn't the Bible how we know about the resurrection? That's a really good question. And the answer is no. No, the Bible is not actually how we know about the resurrection. Because, listen, listen, the Bible was not assembled until about 350 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And so when I say assembled, what I mean is like the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, like the letters we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, etc., like put together, those weren't put together and assembled until the fourth century. So don't, don't miss this. If no one knew about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead until the Bible was assembled. That means that no one knew about the resurrection until almost 400 years after the resurrection, which makes it completely like unverifiable, right? I mean, it's easy to toss that out the window. But listen, we don't know about the resurrection because the Bible tells us about it. We know about the resurrection because of guys like Matthew. Matthew told us about it. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. We have guys like Mark. Mark who sat down with Peter and wrote down the eyewitness account of Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, and gives us the account from uh, Matthew er, and Mark. We have Luke. Luke was a doctor who thoroughly investigated all things concerning the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, and he put together an account for us to verify the actual historical events and narrative of that time. We have guys like John who, who gave us the, the eyewitness account. John was quite frankly, he was probably Jesus' closest earthly friend. We have guys like Peter, which I love Peter because Peter is the guy that we hear a lot about. He was the guy that believed and then unbelieved and then re-believed. He had the big foot and mouth syndrome issue, right? Like he was just con he was all or nothing all the time. And so for Peter, man, he's a real encouragement to us as we struggle with faith. And then we have guys like James. This is probably my favorite. James, the brother of Jesus. I, listen, I, this is one of my favorites because I don't know what it takes to convince your brother that you are God, but I bet it's more than a few magic tricks, right? And here's what's amazing. James not only comes to the place where he's not, he, he didn't believe, he actually called his brother out as being crazy, and then he comes to the place of calling his brother his Lord. He calls his brother God. He becomes a leader in the early church, and eventually James, the brother of Jesus, would give his life for his faith in his brother as God. So I don't know what it takes to carry that all the way to your grave, but I'm sure that it's, it's more than a few parlor tricks, right? And then not only that, but we have this eyewitness account from Paul. Paul, man, I love Paul because Paul was a guy who was actually trying to shut down the, the Jesus movement and the church. I mean, he was killing Christians. He was persecuting, throwing them in jail. I mean, he was doing everything he could to stop the Jesus movement. And then he has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and it changes his life. And he becomes a forerunner for the incredible move of God in the first century that gives us like a third of, of what we have in the Bible today, as well as an incredible movement that is continuing to move to this day. You see, we don't we don't believe in the resurrection because of the Bible. We don't believe things because the Bible says. In fact, listen, guys, we have a Bible because of the resurrection. You see, the only reason 
that the Jesus story is worth telling, right? It's, it's not because Jesus had great teaching, which he did. It, it's not because of the crucifixion, even though he was crucified. The only reason that the Jesus story is worth telling is because he didn't stay dead. It's the only reason that for the next 30 years after the resurrection, Peter would spend his life telling this story over and over again, telling anyone who would listen about the resurrection of Jesus. He saw his resurrected rabbi face to face. He had breakfast with him, and he would travel around and share it, and eventually Peter would end up in Rome. And he didn't know it at the time, but he would never leave Rome. He would lose his life for his faith as a prisoner in Rome. And he has a traveling companion, this guy named Mark, that we were looking at right here, right? Mark is with him, and he sits down one last time with Peter, and he says, man, just tell me, tell me one more time. I got to get this down. Tell me exactly what happened when you're following Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, all of it. And then Peter writes it all down. And let me show you just the account that Peter gives us of Easter weekend, starting in Mark chapter 15. Check this out. Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. It's not common that they could get their hands on, on someone who's crucified. And so Pilate, Pilate he, he couldn't even believe that Jesus was already dead. So the officer confirmed that Jesus was indeed dead. And Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body, which was very peculiar and, and, and unlikely. At the, that it didn't happen a lot. But in verse 46, Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. He took Jesus' body down from the cross. Can you imagine? All hope is lost. And and you're taking the guy you've been following off off the cross, and you wrap his dead body in this cloth, and you lay it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. And then they rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mark goes on, and he tells us, that Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and they purchased burial spices. Why? What do you do with burial spices? You go anoint the body, right? So they could anoint Jesus' body because he was really dead and there was really no hope. And then very early on Sunday morning, Peter says, just at sunrise, they go to the tomb. And on on the way to the tomb, they ask each other this question. Who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? Because remember, it's really large and they can't do it on their own. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And then Peter tells us that when they entered the tomb, listen, I don't, I don't know that I would have done that for what it's worth, but they go into the tomb and they see a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. That's an understatement, I think, but they were shocked. And the angel said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. But he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you're going to see him there just as he told you before he died. And so Peter recounts this moment when, when the angel says, hey, go tell the disciples, especially Peter. Don't forget about Peter because, right, Peter was the one who believed, unbelieved, and ran away. And I mean, I mean it's really amazing that there's this intimacy moment for Peter here. And, and then later we, we see in the story that Peter and, and John, they, they would run to the tomb because of, of the testimony of these ladies. And they would, they would show up and they would go in and they left confused. 
because they weren't anticipating a resurrection. They were wondering, man, what's happened to the body? Even after this moment, they are still not anticipating a resurrection. And then they head to Galilee, like the women had told them. And sure enough, they get to the Galilee, and it's quite possible this, this is the same place where it all started. This is the same place where they first met Jesus, and he called them from their boats to follow him. And Jesus is on the shoreline, and he's cooking breakfast for them, and they have breakfast with their alive, resurrected rabbi, face-to-face, in person, and it changes everything. And, and I think if you and I could have a conversation with Peter today, Peter would say, listen, if you're a Jesus follower, your hope, it is not in vain. Listen, I get it. Peter would say, I, I lost faith too. But then something happened. And that something, it changed everything. It changed everything for me. And it's been changing everything for everyone ever since. And it has caused me, Peter said, that something has caused me to spend the rest of my life risking my life so that you could know that Jesus is alive, that he was who he said he was, that he can do what he said he would do. And Peter would say, listen, I finally got it. I, I finally understood what Jesus had been teaching the whole time I was with him. In Mark 1.15, Peter remembers that Jesus would say things like, Man, the time has come. It's finally here. It's finally arrived. The world has been waiting for this, this hope to cling on to. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near because the king has come near, which means that you and I are not far. And Jesus gives us this invitation and this response and this command to repent and believe the good news, the incredible news. That word repent, it means to turn in a different direction. It means to adopt this thinking and this value system. It means to face and embrace this reality that Jesus was who he said he was and that, that he can do what he said he would do. That all the claims that Jesus made to be able to forgive sin, to be able to make us new, to be able to make us right with God, to be able to empower us and give us life both now and forever, all of those claims are verified in the resurrection of Jesus. And the invitation is embrace this good news, receive this good news, respond to this good news. And here's the incredible invitation for you and I, that God has done something for you because God is for you. That something 2,000 years ago that happened on Easter morning when Jesus resurrected from the dead, that something was for you. That something was for me. And we're invited to face and embrace that reality, to put our faith in Jesus. It simply means to trust in Jesus, to believe that he was who he said he was and that he can do in my life and in your life what he said he would do. That he rose again again to prove that he, that he was God in the flesh, that he gave his life for you and I because God loves us and he's for us. And the amazing thing about this invitation, it's not just for me and it's not just for you. Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited to face and embrace this God who loves us 
improved it by doing something for us. And so I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you, you've walked away from faith, stayed away from faith, been following Jesus for a minute, have been considering following Jesus for a minute. But anyway, listen, no matter where you are, can I encourage you today to respond to the invitation, to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, that what he did, he did for you. And when he rose again, it proved that he has the power to save us and set us free, to give us new life and make us right with God. And this, my friends, is only the beginning. If you're a follower of Jesus, guys, this is where we hang our hope. No matter what's going on around us, this is the internal and eternal reality that we constantly face and embrace. And it's the best news in the world, not only for me, and not only for you, but for the world. And so we've got to share it with the world by the way that we love, by the way that we live, and with our lips. Thank you guys so much for celebrating Easter weekend with us. Listen, it's been a really challenging year. It's been a really challenging couple of weeks here in Boulder. And so starting next week, we're going to start a, a, a four-week series of talks on, on the intersection of faith with mental and emotional health called Winning the War in Your Mind. And I want to extend a personal invitation, no matter where you are, no matter how good or bad you're doing or whatever, I just want to invite you to come and sit in these conversations with us, that they bring healing, that God would use it to bring healing to our hearts and minds as we walk through this together. And so next week, we have a special guest coming. Her name is Dr. Tamara Powell. She's a professor at CU Denver, and she's going to speak, man, just with some incredible insight and authority into the tension of mental and emotional health. And man, we, do, we just realize this is a need. It's a need for my soul. I believe it's a need probably for your soul. And so man, would you just tune in whether online or in person next week as we kick off this new series. Thanks so much for celebrating Easter with us, guys. We'll see you then.